Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 115 of the IA Cast. My name is Michael Doeys, and this week I'm here with Aaliyah Dudley. Hello. Sarah Lanier. Hello. And that Jason Earls guy. All right, fine. I guess I'll be last. That's fine. Hey, you're not always last. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's actually really that's 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 true. Normally, normally I announce guests last, but you know, Sarah's been on this show so many times now that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been demoted to guest status. <laughs> no, just troublemaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and here I was thinking that it was that he was being chivalrous and introducing the ladies first. Well, then I'd that wouldn't work because I introduced myself first. I know, but you were the host, so you know, like you kind of as far as to. other people yeah. are concerned. <laughs> no, it just worked out like that. So we have quite a bit of content to go over because you know, we kind of skipped last week. Not on purpose. But we've gotten, you know, there's been a lot of news and uh, a lot of it's tech. Some space news has, has come out um, in the past week or so. And I kind of want to cut, you know, this is a last minute additions because that's how I work. Um, there's been some really cool news in tech and space the last week or so. So let's talk about first some accessibility related things. And that is we're looking at changing our website. So you'll be seeing some changes on the iAccessibility website in the next few weeks to change the way we do some of our branding to show off more of our products. But we will have a new website for you to go to to get all of our content from the podcast and the blog. You'll still be able to go to iacast.net to get to all of our podcast content, and there will be iareport.com where you could go to get to everything. So that will all be coming online soon, and the iAccessibility website will still have everything we have to offer, just the homepage will be set up slightly different. We were looking at our stats for our app, and it's very exciting that we've had over 1,020 installs of the app. That's pretty exciting, guys. So it's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. And I've been very pleased with how we've done with this show. You know, we've had a lot of demos come out recently, the Seeing AI new features and other different episodes. The uh, Lenovo Flex came out and Aliyah's uh, podcast, The Podcast, had us a new episode. So check that out. What was this one about, Aliyah? This one was about bringing home a new dog and strategies for dealing with that. So That's awesome. And pretty soon, I am going to be working on building the um, a demo cast that goes over basic navigation with ChromeVox and Chrome OS, so be on the lookout for that as well. So we still have plenty of content coming up in the future, so really exciting stuff. So enough about us. Let's talk about some tech news. I don't know if everybody on this podcast has gotten this email, but I know a, f a few of us, I'm sure, have. I, I have. Got it. From Dropbox. <sighs> saying that the I'm free plan. I'm surprised I have it. That the free plan is now limiting your number of usable devices to three, which includes phones, tablets, and computers. So basically, Not from happy. what I understand about this, is you keep all of your installed devices, but any new devices will not be usable on the free plan unless you only have three devices. What are y'all's thoughts on this? I'm not happy. I got the email myself, and uh, I mean, I don't really use Dropbox for much right now, but um, anymore, but... Uh... <laughs> This is not something that's going to encourage me to continue using Dropbox. I can tell you that right now. I'm going to be switching I use away. Dropbox a lot. Sorry, Aaliyah. No, it's okay. I use Dropbox a lot for school. And in fact, in some of my classes, that's how we get the extended readings that we have to do is that the instructors will put them in Dropbox. And there's been a big push this past semester for everyone to go to Google Drive. So... um 
I like the convenience of having Dropbox on all my devices and not having to really think about which device I'm using, whether or not I can access that content. So um, I haven't gotten the email yet, and I don't know if it's because I have my Dropbox linked with a school account, if if that makes a difference. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not liking limits. You know, once you've experienced freedom, you don't like to be limited. Well, and it's like, you know, with you said, Sarah, that your school was going to use Google Drive or thinking about using Google Drive. Well, you're actually going to end up with more space available for free than what Dropbox gives you, because I think they still only give you two gigs or two and a half gigs for free. And uh, so you'll end up uh, actually gaining in that regard. And it, it seems like out of all the cloud services, Dropbox it, it it almost seems like they're the most stingy. You know what I mean? I kind of agree with that, especially now. Um, I had built up um, probably, I don't know, I have five and a half, six gigs just from referrals that I've done or different promotions I've taken part in. So I have a bit more, but it just seems like they're they're forcing your hand now. And it's a little annoying, honestly. And I use it a lot for my web development work. I know a lot of blind people that use it a lot for different projects. And I have to say that unless I am forced into it, I won't be using Dropbox. Well, and that's actually not the only thing that they're going to stop on the free accounts. This doesn't really matter to me too much, but I figured I'd just say it anyway because it was one of the things. You're not going to be able to have automatic camera uploads for free either. Right. That part doesn't really bother me because I don't like putting my pictures on Dropbox, but I can well, see you know, where it like, would be disconcerting for other people. Well, yeah, you know, low vision people or other blind people that actually do take pictures. I'm not really one of them either, but, you know, it's just like one more thing, guys. <laughs> one more thing. To well, take I mean, I w- if it meant keeping devices, I would I would gladly give up automatic camera. Now, one of the interesting things about this that I don't care for is that what is one of the two major save file actions in the shortcuts app for iOS? Dropbox. You have to use a share sheet to get other services other than Dropbox or iCloud Drive. So I'm not really a big fan of this since that kind of takes, if you decided to drop Dropbox, you know, you lose more options there. Well, yeah, plus KNFB Reader has an option to automatically save your files to Dropbox, if I remember correctly, too, doesn't it? Either, well, it was either KNFB Reader or VoiceStream. I forget which it was. I think it was KNFB Reader. I'm not sure. I'm not but, sure either. But it it's, it's sad and a little depressing uh, to see that. So our next topic today is the fact that Disney is now creating their own new uh their own streaming, streaming service. service called Disney Plus. What was it? They're looking at 6.99 a month? Yep. That's not That's bad. Which is interesting, folks, when you look at all the new Apple offerings named Apple, you know, right. News Plus. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Just thought about that right now. Well, Apple and Disney have always had a yeah. or at least competition type remember, thing going. Always, no, well, they're... they've had collaboration more mm-hmm. than so than a competition. Um, in fact, I remember reading that um, the Toy Story movies were all created on a Mac. Well, and Steve Jobs uh, owned uh, Pixar or or worked for or he had a very big Wasn't hand it? in creation Both. in the creation of Pixar. So that is interesting, but. It's... Well, I, Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I did see um, one of the news blurbs about this that said that all 30 years of The Simpsons would be on the Disney Plus stream. On Disney? That's what the news thing said. I thought The Simpsons was Fox. I did too, which is what made it seem really, really weird. But it said Disney Plus, and I was like, um, that's bizarre. Yeah, but does, doesn't Disney own, like, d- didn't they own 20th Century Fox? What was there? There was that whole, like, revamping and um, something about different companies going after parts of it. So I'm not entirely sure what the breakdown of that ended up being. Yeah. 
So that is interesting, and we'll we'll have to see where this goes. But I think this is why we lost a lot of the Marvel shows from Netflix and other places, because they want to be able to put them on their services. But it really is going to be interesting to see how, what shows we get on these, because I will be subscribing, I won't lie. Also, I just got an email that the Netflix pricing just went up to 16 bucks a month for the four screens version. Yeah, but it's twelve ninety nine for the two screen Wow. I believe. So it's getting expensive. But I think it's mainly expensive because of the content, the amount of po- content that they produce on their own. So with some of the shows that I've liked, I'll I'll still pay for it. If you look at it, though, it puts it in the realm of HBO, which I think is kind of where they were trying to be. That makes sense that they would want to, to compete like that, though, because that, I mean, it's where... It- it's where TV is heading because you have so many people doing cord cutting and they want to have you give them their seven or $8 a month so that you get the Disney channel. Right. So will you guys be getting Disney plus? Uh, not sure. I mean, it's not priced badly if it's going to be only six ninety nine a month. And Aaliyah will be getting it because I'm getting it, but Aaliyah, <laughs> will you watch it? Yeah, probably. I don't have a plan to get it at this time. I, I'm i just hoping for a job before I get any of that. But I still don't have Netflix, so um, take that for what it's worth. See, I love Stranger Things too much to cancel my Netflix. I cannot wait <laughs> for the next season. July. Yeah, I, I think Aaliyah and I were talking about this, and I told her that I would at least keep Netflix. Actually, it might have been both of you guys that I said I would at least keep Netflix until Stranger Things was Season three was done. But then again, I probably want season four because, you know, there's going to be a season four. But, you know, the thing about Netflix and HBO and all these is they're made now where you could subscribe and unsubscribe with a push of a button. And so they make it very easy to pay for and stop subscribing so that you can easily, you know, jump on and jump off when your favorite shows come out. Yeah, and I have to say that's one of the nice things about these types of services because, I mean, as all of us know, I'm sure, cable contracts, well, were contracts. And so you had to keep the service for at least a year or two years, depending. Not only that, but the rate you get quoted is only good for maybe six months or 12 months before they start raising your price again. And, you know, at least if prices get raised, they get raised for... In some cases, everybody. In some cases, it's new customers. But your price will generally stay the same for the most part. So, Sarah, I just was looking at our Slack while we're recording here, and I saw the link that you shared, and that is really cool. They are uh, putting The Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. Interesting. And interestingly, Yeah, it was an Engadget article. Interestingly, Disney+, Plus is also... Uh, Done exactly like News Plus and all that with like the name and then a plus sign, just like Apple's stuff. Weird. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. So, a few other news items uh, that are of interest to me, and so I'm going to share them here, is they actually have a, they have actually gotten pictures of a super dense black hole. Which really looks awesome. And basically it kind of shows the light of a star being pulled into one of these supermassive black holes. At least I'm thinking that's a star. I don't know what else it would be unless it's like galactic matter. But it just looks very cool. And then somebody posts on Twitter a picture of a (laughs) Krispy Kreme donut box that's half open that shows three black holes and it just looked really cool. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why we need really great, like AI automatic text or automatic photo description because right. Me want memes. Me want memes. (laughs) Me want memes. Well, access to them, but anyway. So I thought that was a really cool, um, really cool find that they came out with. And then this week, Israel attempted to land a spacecraft on the moon. It was not successful, but it was very interesting to watch that stream. Because it was privately funded, right? Wasn't it? The, the... Was it? I thought it was the actual country. 
their no, space program. I thought it was a privately funded craft. Hmm. And that's why it was so I historic. That, I, I didn't think that they had a nationally funded space program. They had whole mission control and everything. It was a huge uh, facility. But well, Speaking it, of space launches, I want somebody to do more um, binaural launches like that, like the Falcon Heavy 9 launch that was, I think, two years ago or so. That was awesome. I and wonder then, if... Uh, and then one of the other cool things that came out this week was the one of the co-founders of Microsoft created a, a business. Um, his name was Paul Allen. He created a business to make a airplane that was big enough to launch satellites into space. And this apparently has a 380-foot wingspan. Oh, wow. That is huge. And can launch, I believe, I believe it said it could hold two rockets. And they did a test launch wow. and it got up to 17,000 feet and uh, was up for uh, 50 minutes, 180-something miles per hour. So that's all really cool tech and space news for the week. So, you know, we missed a lot in the week that we were out, but I hope that will, you know, it's a good amount of stuff. So we will have more news next week, but I wanted to talk to everybody about a website that we have from iAccessibility called Beyond the Gallery. It's a website for showing off shortcuts that you create and letting you it lets you download shortcuts other people make and you can register for an account and post your shortcuts there all you have to do is go to beyondthegallery.app and sign up and you can join a community of folks writing shortcuts all right so on to our main topic for this week we have folks a month and a half before beta users can try out iOS 13 and macOS 10 point, is it 15? 15, yep. Which is going to be the beginning of something big, especially on the Mac side. And we already have hints of this with the, uh, all as they call it now, Project Marzipan, which is basically letting you run iOS apps on the Mac. And to me, this is huge, and I personally think it's it heralds the beginning of a touchscreen Mac. And people may disagree with me on that, but that's kind of what I'm like thinking. People named Craig Federighi. <laughs> what I mean, has he said anything that it would not? He said in one of the keynotes. In fact, it was I think for uh, Mojave or WWDC. He's like, everybody's been clamoring for a touchscreen Mac, and you know, asking us if we're going to say, if we're going to, if we're going to ever create a, a touchscreen Mac. And the answer is no. But of course, that hasn't stopped Apple from changing its stance before. But because uh, I personally think it would be, I'm torn on how I would feel about a touchscreen Mac. Didn't he talk about how expensive it would be to actually create one in that same speech? Or did I just dream that? I don't remember but i mean i've read several reports that apple's had several different touchscreen mac prototypes so i don't know that it's completely out of the realm of possibility well i think touchscreen macs are actually in the same realm currently as air power they don't want to do it unless they can do it well and i and think why did they ever release the mac version of voiceover <laughs> ouch jeez wow Shots jason fired Right. Woo. And, but and it's true. Tough, man. Well, let's be real here, though. VoiceOver was much better in the previous versions of macOS. Well, okay. Okay. I mean, the issue with VoiceOver is not its quality. It's, it's the quality in which it needed to keep up as it matured. And I feel like voiceover, because the Mac has changed, there's different things to it. Voiceover is not getting the attention it needs on Mac OS. Which was basically my main point anyway, but I but yeah. I but I just... basically the reason why touchscreen Macs are not going to succeed is because Mac OS apps cannot utilize them well. And I think with the 
new apps from iOS, this would be a way for a touchscreen Mac to work. And we may see where Launchpad is required because Launchpad is a very, could be a very touch-centric, you know, app. And then you have the iOS apps. So I think that the, you know, the touchscreen Mac is going to be made possible by these apps. I think it's just something they're going to have to do to stay relevant. I know they keep saying, no, 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 we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. They're going to have to do it. That's the only way. So what you're saying is Apple's going to get dragged kicking and screaming. Kicking and streaming. Yes. (laughs) Kicking and streaming into 2019. Well, they would be streaming. They would be streaming. I mean, when they, you know, talk about the hardware keynotes. So I don't think we'll see a touchscreen Mac till 2021 or 2022, but I think it's coming. Are you thinking of this being something similar to the Surface? Yes. That's what I would think. So, I mean... I you think, guys think that it would be arm based. I think it will be partially arm based, but I think it will be very similar to the Surface Studio for the iMacs because they already work. It's a proven concept. People love the Surface Studio. And and the problem is is that more pros have gotten off the Mac because of the touch sensitive surface of the Surface line. That's too many surfaces. I know. But Basically, they cannot refute stats that many people have jumped off of the Apple platform because of what iPad and Surface have to offer. Yeah, and I think the only reason people aren't completely abandoning Macs altogether is that Xcode doesn't exist for iPad. If it did, I mean, there wouldn't be much point. Well, and let's, let's be real here. We're still using a Mac for this podcast. Yep. Because the recording I'm software recording on one. the recording software and different things like that are still great. And there are comparable solutions on Windows, but it's just, you know, go with what works. And Mac still has a preferable Unix-based environment for tech support. So it has its uses, but uh, it it's still a pro-line machine. And I love my Mac, don't get me wrong, but, you know. And I, you know, I I love my Mac too. I just, I do sometimes get frustrated at the lack of um, attention, it seems, that is paid to voiceover on the Mac side. But I think, the more I think about it, the more I do think I would like a touchscreen Mac, because it's one of the things I like about my using my iPad. It's one of the things I like about using the Pixelbook, even though I don't use its touchscreen very often. You know, I I just like having a spatial sense under my finger of the layout of an app. I just, I like that. I just hope if they do the touchscreen that it's not like the implementation of the touch bar. Because I find many times that I like, the touch bar just doesn't do things that I would like for it to do. And I miss having the function keys. Well, I think if they do it, what I hope for that they're going to do is make voiceover behave like it does on, say, an iPad, I would hope. I don't know if they'd have to fully rewrite voiceover on the Mac in order to do this, and if they did, I don't know that that would be a bad thing. But one of the things I'm kind of afraid of, too, is that, you know, in iOS, for instance, you can't, in the Files app, or if you can, VoiceOver doesn't tell you, um, you can't use your up and down arrow keys, for instance, to browse a list of files with VoiceOver on if you have a keyboard attached to your device. I don't want to see some of those issues crop up on the Mac if this happens. Well, isn't VoiceOver on the Mac handling very similar to VoiceOver on iPad right now? With a inconsistent Mac user experience where you have to... What is the keystroke to sele- select something, Aaliyah? To select... To activate an item. Oh. In the... Oh, yeah. I know what he's talking about. In the Marzipan apps the where Marzipan you have to VO space on text fields. You have to VO space on, on spe- text fields and things in order to 
like text fields especially are jarring because it shouldn't do that. Okay, so the experience no. on Mac OS, for those who aren't familiar, is when you are focused on a text field, VoiceOver knows that and interprets your keystrokes as typing. And in the Marzipan apps, though, when you focus on a text field, you actually have to VO space on it to edit. It's very jarring. It's very annoying. It is to the point of, like, I just, I don't want to use them. Well, I think the reason why they're like that is because they still, those apps still have the touch layer. And so they have to work very similarly to um, the voiceover iOS experience. So I feel like they've actually taken a lot of voiceover for iOS and bolted it on to um, voiceover for Mac. And I don't know if that's something that they could change because on the developer side, folks, the way that this works is you have two developer environments. On Mac, you have what's called AppKit, A-P-P-K-I-T. On the iOS side, you have UIKit. And um, they're two different things. They're based off each other. But the AppKit is where, you know, based on the Mac, UIKit is on iOS. And so I think everything is still like iOS based. So you still have gesture recognizers and tap, double tap, and all those things that you can replicate on the Mac with the trackpad and different things. Um, I'm curious how trackpad commander will work on those things. I think you could probably do flicking and double tapping as if you're on iOS. So I think that experience wouldn't be different, but yeah, but it's still just it's extremely jarring with the with the with the text fields. And I think it's something I don't know. I honestly think it's something that might be able to be fixed. Because on the Mac, when you double tap on a text field, a keyboard doesn't expand, obviously, because it's the Mac. And so I I personally think it could be fixed with with a certain little bit of de- detection on voiceover's part and figuring out that it's a text field that already knows. So why doesn't it automatically stick it in, in editing? Because I think voiceover actually doesn't know. Yeah, the hints say so. Your hints are there. But the difference is, is voiceover doesn't recognize a... Uh, I'm going to get the terminology wrong, so forgive me, folks. A UI text field, which is the proper name on iOS... And on macOS, it's a NS text field, which is what VoiceOver is looking for. So I think, you know, it may be something they could fix in the future, but... I think that's my point. It's half-baked. Yeah. And the experience is poor. It's just atrocious. I mean, if you look at the Apple News demo, it's bad. Labels are disgusting. It's It's just... it's, It's this weird mix, too, of... You still have to interact with elements on the Mac inside a Marzipan app, and that is not something that you have to do in iOS. Now, you could go into macOS, you could go in uh, to voiceover utility on macOS, rather, and um, change your grouping behavior, but not a lot of people are going to know that that exists in order to do that. And I just, what, what I think voiceover should do in the future is if we have a touchscreen Mac, I could totally see having a touchscreen keyboard as well, just like we do in iOS. You know, maybe maybe Apple could make a 360-degree hinge um, Mac, although it may, then maybe they wouldn't do that. I don't know, because it might compete too closely with the iPad. Have an iOS, uh, have a virtual keyboard come up, and then, you know, VoiceOver could recognize when the keyboard's not, the physical keyboard's not being used. And then it would behave like iOS. And then when it knows that you are using the physical keyboard, then it would behave like macOS. And what I mean by that is it would just let you edit text fields the way a Mac user is normally used to editing text fields without having to be a space on them. I'm going to throw another conjecture in here. I'm, I'm wondering how um, people who don't use VoiceOver feel about the differences between the Marzipan apps and the native apps. And if there's a difference in how they look and how they behave as far as mouse click versus tapping, that would be comparable to our 
um, discussion about the, the voiceover differences. So, you know, is it just because we're using voiceover that we are having such trouble with them? Or is everybody feeling like they are half-baked? Well, as a visual user who uses these apps, because I don't use voiceover on my, on my Mac, I really feel like it's just an iOS app with a mouse pointer. And your mouse pointer is your finger. And so I could double tap on my trackpad with my mouse on the item I want to double tap on if I need to do that. I can scroll down with uh, just as if I'm in a Mac app. I can, you know, do all the things that I would do as a Mac experience, but with bigger touch targets because it's an iOS app and it just scales based on that. And because basically you're getting the iPad experience on Mac OS. And uh, you're you're getting a very similar uh, experience to the iOS version. You're just using a mouse. Because the way that Apple has made the trackpad on the computer is they've made it into a multi-finger trackpad. So I could do gestures like pinching to zoom. I've been able to do that for a long time. You know, you could use with ro- uh, with voiceover, you could use the rotor. You can do all the different things that you do with your fingers on um, iOS, on the Mac. So it's very similar with um, using them visually is, you know, I have to click in a text field to type in it. Um, Just like on iOS, I have to click in it. I have to tap once in a text field. And I think one of the things that they're, I, I don't know that they want to change is where, you know, you have to double tap on something with voiceover to make it happen. I mean, they could change that, but I feel like they want to keep the experience as iOS as can be so that the apps work, hopefully work. Doesn't mean they do. The same between iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Okay, so, um, Aaliyah, as a fellow voiceover user, how would you feel if Apple did this? They decided to make voiceover behave consistently across iOS and macOS. So they made it on macOS system-wide, so you would have to then VO space on text fields and things Uh, like that. I would cry. I would hate it. That would be very clunky. Yeah. And anti-productive. I would hate it, and I would start using Windows more. I'll be honest. I would hate it too. But. No, I, I think I'm with Aaliyah on that one. But um, I understand Michael's point too, because if if we want to maintain the the iOS experience across devices, then it makes sense that for the Marzipan apps, then voiceover would still react as it does on iOS. Now, let me ask this question. When you are on an iPad, because I haven't really used voiceover with iPad, uh, with the keyboard, when you're on an iPad with a keyboard, do you have to double tap or do, you know, what is it, to activate an item? space on text fields? Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you do have to, you do have to double tap in the edit field to bring up unless, the keyboard. Unless you are filling out um, forms and things. Like, for instance, if you, if you hit VO space on like the username text field of an app, you could VO write and then VO space onto the password text field or just hit tab and voiceover should move to the next text field and continue editing for you. So you can just type like you would on the Mac. And if you were on your iPad, you could hit next at the bottom of the screen above the keyboard and it would take you to the next field, theoretically. And there's nothing like that. I've had that work a few times. What was that, Michael? And there's nothing like that in in the Mac version of these apps, correct? I have not played with um, voice memos, and that would be the only one I could think where that would be um, something, because that's where there's, like, continuous forms or form fields. So I'm not sure. I would have to look at voice memos again, but I want to say the answer would be no. Yeah, because I don't remember it from the iOS version, Um, but... (laughs) I used voice memos in a class project, so I am not the end-all be-all about voice memos. Now, I will say, though, if you're in Safari, for instance, and you hit Command-L with the keyboard to go to the... And this is for iOS. If you hit Command-L to go to the address field, 
you can just type. You don't actually have to go to the screen to select the text field in order to start typing. So there are some cases where, yes, you do not have to double tap or press VO space to start typing in a text field. But most of them you do. Now, do you guys think that you will see, we will see a push from Apple eventually to fade AppKit out and to focus on UIKit on macOS? That I guess I could see because Apple has been known to be like, all right, this is our new direction. We are just going to not support um, eventually all the old stuff, all the legacy things that we've been using in the past. So I could sort of see that happening. I could see it, but I don't think they will, at least not in the foreseeable future. Because I think that having a separate system for the Mac is important to them. And I don't think they want to completely merge iOS with macOS. So I don't, I don't necessarily see it. I also don't necessarily see it because I think they like having the Mac app versus the iOS app. And developers being able to say, okay, you bought our iOS app, now go buy our Mac app. Right. But I sort of wonder if they might make it an option for developers. So like maybe if you wanted to develop a marzipan app, you could, but I'm not sure. Well, the plan is for them to make that the thing this summer on the Mac where developers will be able to submit their iOS apps to the Mac App Store or have an iOS App Store on Mac. I don't know, but that is the plan for macOS 10.15. Icky. Yuck. I I just ugh. this is kind of a nightmare as far as But also keep in mind guys, they they even said at the keynote last year at WWDC, this is an alpha. This is kind of a let's see how this goes. Yeah, well, it looks like their Mac App Store, their new Mac App Store is an alpha too. It's gross. Ugh. Um you have to do some weird gymnastics to find what you need. Yeah, because you can't always interact with, you know, the... Um, I don't even remember how VoiceOver reports the app search results anymore. To find everything, you've got to, like, stop interacting, start interacting, go left. It's weird. But, yeah. So, let me ask you guys this. Are there any Marzipan or iOS apps that you would like to see be made into Marzipan apps? Um, If the... If the um, interface improves with Mac VoiceOver, I would like... There are several um, things. KNFB Reader? That'd be cool. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. Or Seeing AI? Yes. One of those would be really neat, I think, to see that way. And um, I would like to see Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Because the Twitter experience for iOS is fairly good. Although that might just put the last nail in poor Twitterific's coffin if that happened. That's true. I know this will never happen. Well, okay, I can't say I know this will never happen, but I don't suspect it's going to happen being able to uh, use Bard on the Mac. Oh, I bet that will happen. You think? Oh, yeah. Now, I'm wondering if a Marzipan app has to have an iPad component to make it work. So... If Bard doesn't have that, then possibly not. But, you know. I know I have Bard on my iPad. I can't remember if it's a different app or if it's the same app. It's the same. Leo's the same. Okay. But, you know, you can have iOS apps that can stretch to take up the whole screen of the, or most of the screen of the iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't remember which way that one went. So, I'm excited about, um, I'd love to see Twitter for Mac be from iOS. Uh, Swift Playgrounds would be amazing. That'd be cool. That would um, be neat. I like the iOS version of iMovie, even though the Mac one is still really good. Um, I would love to see um, a lot of the games, being able to play some of the games. But yeah. also, um, it would allow for more accessible versions of apps that may not be so great on the Mac. Like, I think it'd be neat to see Spotify. Um, it Microsoft would be neat- to do. 
What? Oh. Yeah, we would have Microsoft To Do's on the Mac. <laughs> we would have all kinds of programs. So I think it's really exciting to see what we're going to get this year on the Mac. Do you guys think that this will re-energize the Mac platform? I think it has the potential to, but I wonder how many people are just going to be like, well, you know, I'm not interested until Apple makes a touchscreen version of the Mac. All right. Well, I think we've talked about this for a while, so do we have any final thoughts on this before we wrap up? I just hope I'm wrong and that... Apple's going to improve this experience a little bit for us. Um, I I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I sort of echo Aaliyah's comments because, you know, one of the rumors that we uh, actually didn't mention in the show was that uh, Apple may be splitting iTunes up. And if they end up making a Marzipan version of the music app for the Mac, then, or, you know, maybe they'll make Marzipan versions of the other... Uh, apps that iTunes had inside of its or has right now inside of itself then I really do want Apple to uh, improve the um, integration and things with voiceover on the Mac. Although it would be nice to finally be able to listen to podcasts on the Mac at double speed. Overcast for Mac. Yes! I don't think we're excited about that at all. No, not at all. Right? And Netflix for Mac. That'd be kind of cool. Where you don't have to use a browser. Right. <laughs> but, you I know, know, like, but, you know, the Mac better give optimal performance value or, you know, they won't have it for Mac. Just like they don't have Air, uh, Netflix on AirPlay anymore. That was the other news item we missed. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, it was. So I just, I don't know that we can't track what devices using AirPlay is a good enough reason. No, no, that's. Not actually the reason that I read. They said that AirPlay on TVs with different aspect ratios and resolutions did not always perform, give the best optimal experience through AirPlay with the Netflix app. So they pulled it until they can do more testing to determine that it would provide the same experience throughout the uh, ecosystem for Netflix on different TVs. Mm. Okay, so you must have read a later version of um, the uh, pulled AirPlay support news than I did. So, Yeah, they said because I some mean, they Air... Bring it... They said that some TVs can AirPlay only at like 720, some at 1080, some at full 4K. And if you're sending it from their app, they need to be able to monitor and to scale where it's, you know, on the Apple TV, you know, if you airplay to that, it does a lot of that for you. So they want to be able to, you know, work on that experience a little more. So Michael, we did get one Slack comment that the show was excellent so far. Awesome. And there has been a lot of Slack awesome. chatter this time, which has really been great. So so if you combine that word, does it become slacker or slatter? <laughs> oh, dear. Slack chatter. <laughs> but I really, I, enjoyed, no <laughs> I really, really enjoyed the interaction through Slack that we've had today. This has been great. I mean, this has really been cool, guys. So I hope this becomes more of a thing and we utilize it more and more. Um, we may eventually move that to the IACast channel on Slack just so that the general one stays clean, but uh, this has been excellent. Yeah. I think, you know, right now we're all just kind of getting back into the, you know, learning the layout of Slack and doing a lot of testing. So, but yeah, I think it's cool too. I'm really excited that you guys are able to, um, interact with us live on the show. I think that's really neat. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. So, Jason, what's your pick for this week, and where can people find you online? Well, funnily enough, I think I'm going to go ahead and pick Slack. Yes, um, Slacker, you can't you, be uh, creative enough to pick something unique, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I will give you that, completely give you that, because I honestly can't think of a good retort for that at the moment. Um... Yeah, you win that one. <laughs> um, 
Um, Jason, I just want to report that Megan says that you are slacking off. Uh, anyway, so... And the funny thing is, so did Jade, so twice. <laughs> Wait, I don't see one from Jade. Jade, oh I just gosh. saw, said good show. Yeah. Okay, so it was just Megan. It was just Megan. I read Jade. Sorry, and Jade. Megan. We're giving you extra credit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Revoked. But no, like I just, you know, I think Slack is 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 really interesting. Um, I like that it's cross platform. I just installed the Slack app from the Play Store on my Pixelbook and sent a message in the general channel of our Slack from my Pixelbook. I thought that was really cool. Um, it does have some weird issues, but. I don't know if it's a Chrome Vox thing or if it's a Slack thing, but it's just, it's really cool. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's just another way for people to engage with us. And I think we're going to be able to do a lot of cool things with it. So, yeah. And as far as where people can find me online, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Facebook, just search for Jason Earls. And I do request that if you do add me, please let me know that you found me from the IA cast. You can also follow me on Twitter at JDE91. That is Juliet Delta Echo 91. All right. And Sarah, where can people find you and what is your pick? So people can find me. Well, I'm going to do it the other way. <laughs> so <laughs> my pick this week is an app called GroupMe. I was introduced to this app when I started my PhD journey and it's is really cool because you can set up different groups and you can become part of different groups. So it's easy to keep track of, okay, I have my study group for stats and I have my trivia night group and um, all these different things. And it, it's cross-platform. So it doesn't matter. You can access it on Mac, Windows, Android, or PC, um, PC or iOS. And you um, can also do text messaging, um, polls. There's a calendar feature. I'm not sure how accessible that part is because I haven't used that part. None of the groups that I work with use the calendar. Um, and you can also send images. So it's been really fun to uh, make comments about our professors and different stuff like that. So that's my pick for this week. And if people want to email me, you can do that at sarah at iaccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at BioInstructor. And if you follow me, my tweets are protected. So please send me a message and let me know who you are. Otherwise, I might think you're a bot. And not the Slack bot. No, not the Slack bot. <laughs> the bot that doesn't get followed. All right. Aaliyah, what is your pick and where can people find you? My pick this week is a device that I just got which Megan has done an unbox cast of, and that is the BrailleSense Polaris. It is a note-taker running Android. It is um, running an older version, but not. Uh, it, it still works quite well. It's very snappy. You can do math. You can open Excel, PDF, PowerPoint. You can do word processing, email, web browsing, all the things. And you can browse the Play Store for apps. So it is a very sleek little note-taker. It's pretty powerful, and um, I'm really enjoying getting to know it and getting used to it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so. My, You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A, at iAccessibility.net, and you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. Aaliyah, you can also install Slack onto your Braille Sense, probably. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, probably. That would actually be pretty cool. So my pick this week is a device that I won from CSUN, and they are on my head right now, and they are the Surface Headphones. These are a great product if you don't like the sound of the bows or the Beats or the Bose $350 headphone variants. They have a lot of noise cancellation options, and they have an ambient listening mode where you could hear your environment while they're on, and I love them. They are, they fold in, they have a very, very compact case, and you don't want to pair them through your Bluetooth settings, you want to pair them from the Cortana app. 
Sorry if I said it, uh, sorry if I invoked your invokes. The app is a lot better for accessibility, so it works pretty well. And you add them in there, and it will actually do a Bluetooth LE pairing through there to your uh, headset. And your phone will be paired with them for other apps. And you can access uh, Cortana by saying the words, hey, and then Cortana, because I didn't want to activate them since they're on my head. Um, That would be weird during a podcast, not being able to hear anything. Um, so they're very awesome. $350, very good for travel. The noise cancellation and playback will end when you take them off your head and start back up when you put them back on. I love that. They don't have as many of the lows that you get on the beats and their noise cancellation doesn't suck your ears out as much as the Bose QC35s. So all in all, uh, also, everything is text-to-speech. All features are text-to-speech on these headphones. So I'm a huge fan of that. Do I like them as uh, better than my Beats? Almost. Um, there's a, The one drawback is 15 hours of battery instead of the 40 with noise cancellation off on the Beats. The one advantage they do have is you could plug them into a actual headphone jack and listen to them even after the battery dies. So there's trade-offs on both. So... I love them. I would buy them if I didn't win them, if I knew how good these were. So with all that being said, you could find me, Michael Doeys, producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Mike Doeys. It's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. I'm Mike Doeys on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook. Just search for Michael Doeys and let me know that you found me on the IA cast. And also, you could go to my website, michaeldoeys.com, to learn more about what I'm working on and different things online. So that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening out there in podcast land and on the stream and for taking part in our Slack. Again, if you would like to chat with us during our shows, head to iaccessibility.net slash Slack and sign up. Put in your email, confirm it, and log in. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for being here, and we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. See you later. This show has been brought to you by the IACast Network. We love hearing from you. Email us at feedback at iaccessibility.net. Got Twitter? Follow us at iaccessibility1. Facebook, search for iAccessibility. Download our free apps for iOS and Android and keep up with all of our content at iAccessibility.net. If you'd like to donate to our show, hit the PayPal button on our website and get early access to our outtakes with a donation at patreon.com slash iacast. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2019, iAccessibility, LLC.